Welcome back to Never Fade, the NFT podcast. I'm your host, Fax. Thanks for joining us. As always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Good Month ETH. What's up, Goody? What's good, Fax? I'm in a different location. I don't got my neon aim behind me, you know, just like the other episode, but uh, we're on a quiet space. We're good to go. Well, what you do have is that OGBAYC hoodie. And so I have to ask you, my guy. I'll rep that floor at 40, baby. Yo, like you've been through the full round trip with the BAYC NFTs. Right now, the space seems to be getting especially bearish on Bake and Make as we see the floor prices of those collections starting to crash. Some people you know, are blaming Blur. Some people are blaming Yuga Labs. It is like, you know, a little bit, you know, disappointing to see at this juncture of the game, the the floor prices and just the general confidence in those collections starting to fade a little bit. I mean, what's your take, man? Are the Abes dying or not? Yeah, I mean, if you bought at high levels, if you paid more than $50,000 for... Uh, a board Ape Yacht Club NFT, you're probably a little worried right now. I never did. I never would. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I told my wife in the summer of 21 that, like, if these monkeys could be worth 20 ETH in a year, that's all I want. Like, that would be a dream come true. And that was at a point when they were above 20 ETH. And then my rationale was that there's no way these monkey pictures will continue to sustain this value. So the fact that we've been through everything we've been through and they're just now hitting 40 is a miracle to me. Um, I don't really know what else to say. I, if people think that's crazy, I'd love to hear the counter argument. Like I'd absolutely love to hear why you think monkey pictures should have been uh, 60 ETH plus during the FTX fiasco. Makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, that's a take, right? Like, you know, I think back to the last time that Mutant Ape Yacht Club was around this, like, 80th level. And at that time, like, I don't think that there was this expectation that these things are going to become worth, you know, like, 40 ETH, I think the fact that we've been through all of this tumultuous market and they kind of like are, are back down to that eight ETH, it still shows like considering there's 20,000 of these mutant apes and they're able to hold this kind of floor price through all of this crazy like territory in the crypto world. Like I think it's, I think it's fine. Now what I do like wonder about is you know, like for me, like it's like if you look at a comparison of like mutant apes versus D gods, and I think that that from a price point comparison, they're kind of in the same ballpark. And there was like a point in time earlier this year where I was thinking to myself, should I buy another mutant ape or should I buy two D gods? Because that was the decision point at the time. You know, mutant apes were like a 12 ETH and D gods were like a 6 ETH. And my thought process was I'm actually rather would buy two D gods because there's a chance that I'll end up with three mutant apes. Do you know what I'm saying? And kind of like that's where we're at now. 
And when you look at some of the differences is like, you know, Frank Degas is constantly in a state of grabbing attention, speaking to the community, kind of like polishing the value proposition of being a holder, like continually like chiseling and clarifying like the vision and, and the identity of the brand and, and so forth. And meanwhile, like Yuga Labs doesn't really speak on specifically like what it means to be like a board ape yacht club holder or mutant ape yacht club holder at all. Like really, like they've really focused most of their attention on the, the mini games and that experience. And I, ultimately I think, I think that's like the big distinction. I mean, do you think that Yuga Labs at this juncture should be speaking more to like the identity of board apes and mutant apes and what it means to hold that collection or no i i don't think that that's i don't think that's true because or i don't think that's needed because board ape yacht club has never justified you know what it means to be a holder and and in fact like being in the Board Ape Yacht Club, they actually have a phenomenal lore. Like the reason why they call it Board Ape Yacht Club and the story goes that, you know, these, the like imagine a world where these apes had so much crypto, held it throughout the bear market and all of a sudden became filthy rich. Like they would become so bored and what would that look like? You know, that's a cool lore, but that was never even told. Like that was never even explained what it stood for. The community took old of the board ape yacht club and made it what it is they always fell back you know garga and gordon always fell back and let the community do the talking that's always been the dna frank doesn't let the community do the talking frank literally overwrites the community's copy pasta and puts his own d god tint on it frank controls his narrative so it's two different ball games and i think when you are trying to be a club that whether you like it or not you are in the board ape yacht club's territory because they were the first to kind of come out with this internet club community um value prop and platform because punks didn't have a community like that you are in you know the board ape yacht club sphere and Frank can say, you know, they're not the Board Ape Yacht Club or XYZ, or he can refute that all he wants. But he does have to carve out, you know, what D God's narrative is because it, it, people will revert back to what is the most well known. And 40 ETH is not chump, chump change. Like in a bear market, if somebody wants to throw 80 grand to get into the club, that's still a big chunk of change. So I don't know. I guess. I'm talking, I'm, I'm rambling a lot on your question, but the real, the real like inner core of your question is, is there more upside in D gods than there is in, in make? Um, currently D gods at a 10 ETH floor makes at like what? 8.59. Um, dude, 7.8. Oh, right now. 7.8. Wow. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's upside in D-Gods because there's a possibility that Frank could light the world on fire at any given point. You know, he's one unlock away from becoming ubiquitous, right? He's 
he's one unlock away from getting on the Jimmy Fallon show and getting like memed by Jimmy Fallon that, you know, the D God people love, you know, people love him. And so I think that like, you don't, you know, pick what you want to be entertained by essentially it's, it's, it hurts. Board API club is hurt with Gordon, you know, going away. We hope he gets better. We hope he's, you know, taking care of himself. I would never want him to put his health, um behind you know supporting the club but a lot of soul was a lot of soul was lost and now they're just focused on being a gaming company so if games are your thing you're gonna be just like you know probably minting a lot of free assets in their gaming world probably gonna be worth something in in the long in the long run but you gotta zoom out yeah. And, you know, with that, the other thing that's kind of like at the top of mind right now is this ApeCoin special council election. Uh, pretty yeah. interesting election. Pretty interesting to see. I mean, we had Board Ape G on here before, and that kind of, uh, there's like a photo finish literally like at the end of that vote. And right now we're seeing Thread Guy uh, and Captain Trippy, two people who have been very like involved with Board Ape Yacht Club, Mutant Ape Yacht Club from the jump. Um, I think that there's a little bit of controversy as to like, what is it that these specific seats are really like meant to do? And like, does like the communication that like TG brings to the, to the fold, like he really shines with the, with the comms. Like, is that really like what this council seat is for? Like who's to say, I don't know, but like today we are going to bring in somebody who is also in the running here. There's only two seats that are going to be elected. So at the moment, um, this gentleman, Wabam, he's on the outside looking in, but I think he's like more intimately involved with what the ApeCoin DAO has been up to this to this point. And I think probably understands like what it is that this seat is supposed to do uh, better than like we do. And so we're going to bring in Wabam. We're going to hear about his platform that he's running on and try to get a little bit more alpha, like on what is it exactly that this special counsel is supposed to be doing? You know, what are you hoping to learn from Wabam today? Yeah, and I know Wabam is very active in the DAO, so I'm interested to hear kind of his perspective from the inside out. And, you know, we're on our second election, so it's... You know, we've been in this before, but we haven't been in it much. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he brings to the table after seeing what all the other candidates brought to the table. Um, this is a big deal. I mean, Alexis and Yat are stepping down. So people who think that this is an election that won't change the course of the Dow are out of their minds. Um, cause the Dow is getting handed over at a very high level to people now that are people of our own that are, you know, people that are a little bit more floor apes, if you will. Um, not so much like high powered executives that have been well-trained for compliance and regulation. So, you know, this isn't a spot for, this isn't a spot for people for potential to learn on the job, like. You got to come in with a little bit of chops, a lot of chops, and you got to come in with a focus. So 
you're looking at experienced people. I would put this on par with hiring a a VP at a at a you know a 500 to 1,000 person company. Um, I think that's the level of uh, experience required for this particular uh, round of voting. Yeah, and I, I I do know that Wabam is a lawyer, and I could see how those skills would translate well into like kind of an administrative role and responsible for overseeing the AIP process. So let's go ahead and uh, bring Wabam in now. So I'm Wabam. I'm I'm an ape. Bought uh, my ape November 2021. So not quite mint, but pretty OG. I'd like to think. Um, Got really, really started getting involved in the ApeCoin DAO uh, about 10 months ago. Uh, I left my job. I was working at a national Canadian law firm. Uh, and I left my job late last summer because um, I well, I wanted to go all in a Web3. Um, you know, I, I had a cool job, but I enjoyed it a lot. But I spent uh, a lot of time thinking about Web3 and about NFTs and about ApeCoin. And I decided it was time to make the move uh, the end of last summer. So. Uh, once I left that job, I started looking around for opportunities and the ApeCoin DAO just kept calling to me, you know, $1 billion treasury, you know, le- legitimate chance to be the coin of metaverse culture and blockchain gaming. And, you know, just the intersection of DAO governance, NFTs, art, culture, gaming. Um, so I started working in uh, ApeCoin. Uh, at the time, there was there was nobody working in ApeCoin. Uh, it was like five or six contributors. Uh, it was a wasn't a very like uh, happy space at the time. There had been a lot of drama recently with the staking AIPs and uh, with a uh, merch proposal by a former DAO member, and um, so there just wasn't a lot of people building in the space. But uh, you know, I met the people that were, and uh, first we started ApeComs, which does weekly spaces and did a lot of work to support AIP authors back in the beginning. And uh, then later I got involved in, uh, well, I was one of the creators of Working Group Zero, uh, which was set up to transition between the former DAO administrator and the new DAO administrator. So I was uh, selected by special counsel to be uh, one of the stewards of Working Group Zero. And we did that. Uh, we ran an RFP for the new DAO administrator and we uh, created the first working group and set set the structure for future working groups, um, and you know we helped we helped transition the DAO out of you know what was really kind of a crisis at, at the end of last year. So um, you know through that time, I've written a ton of AIPs. I wrote I was a co-author on AIP one ninety six. Uh, I wrote the the RFP to get a new DAO administrator. I led that process. I worked close to a special counsel. I met with them each week for about four months. Um, you know, I've been on calls with Yat, Alexis, G, Jerry, Zarad many, many times. I, I used to lead the calls and set the agendas. Uh, I know the DAO super well. I've, I've written the AIPs, most of the AIPs that now make up the core infrastructure of the DAO. AIP 245, the Metaverse Working Group, AIP 239, the Governance Working Group. Um, and with my background uh, as a lawyer, you know, I, I was focused on regulatory compliance. Um, I did that for several years. And uh, when I, when as Working Group Zero came to a close, I thought about, you know, what role did it make sense for me to take on next? Uh, you know, I thought a lot about running for governance steward or for metaverse steward, but 
Um, you know, I had a lot of conversations with special council members and other core DAO contributors and mentors. And special council just made the most sense for me uh, based off of my experience, based off of my expertise in, uh, you know, regulatory uh, law, regulatory uncertainty, my legal background. You know, that's really the core of what special counsel does. Um, you know, their job, a lot of people don't understand what their job is because they can't come out and say it, but their job is to make sure the SEC doesn't sue ApeCoin down, doesn't send us a Wells notice. And their job is to make sure that the IRS doesn't tax the treasury. Um, so they can't say that stuff because if they do, then the SEC will be like, look, you know, it is a security. Or, you know, look, you know, the treasury should be onshore. Um, but that, but that's what they do. They, they review every AIP for regulatory risk and legal risk. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's my background. That's my experience. You know, I've, I've been, uh, setting courses of action for regulatory risk as a lawyer for years and years, advising clients when, you know, what are the risks and when is the trade-off, you know, uh, when do your interests align in such a way that it's worth it to take the risk and that's what they have to do. So, you know, between that, between, you know, between my experience and credentials, between my knowledge of the DAO, um, you know, between my extensive, uh, uh, my, my strong professional relationships with the current members and my understanding of what the actual role is, there's just no candidate that's, that's better for this role than me. So anyway, that's my pitch. That's my platform. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's a lot to dig into there, but you mentioned, uh, the crisis at the end of the year. Can you gotta walk us through a little bit about like what that what that crisis was from my you know from my perspective um at that time it just things were going a little haywire with where everyone wanted to run with things it was like um it seemed like a lot of people had ran out the gate really fast and got a jump on this on the on the Dow proposals but you know we were really you know it was almost like right then is when the Dow seemed to identify at the high level that we needed structure framework and organization to it can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that you know the crisis period in your uh mindset at the end of last year yeah absolutely so i mean until that point the dow was mostly being run by the dow administrators like you know they were doing discord and by the, the dow administrators i mean this this company the cartan group right they were they were contractors hired by well when the guy was first set up by you know yuga and animoca it was sort of a partnership between these various um, launch partners, and Cartan was one of them. Um, you know, and they were hired to like, you know, handle the finances behind the scenes, do the accounting behind the scenes. Uh, you know, they were uh, they were the director um, of the Ape Foundation, and they ran the discourse and they ran the Twitter. Um, but they weren't good at a lot of that stuff. Like, like the Twitter. If you guys remember, the Twitter was a disaster. Like, it was totally like. You know, it was it was saying the wrong things. Like it, it did not get the culture. Um, you know, saying so many things that were just like kind of off off basis or tone deaf. Um, and the discourse was really slow. Like it took AIP so long to get through the process. Um, and you know, so people weren't super happy with the job they were doing. It was costing a lot of money, one hundred and fifty thousand a month to pay these guys, and they wanted to do more. Like they, you know. Apecoms, our team at the time, you know, we were trying to help AIP authors. We were trying to, we were doing our own Twitter spaces and we wanted to set up a Discord. They were trying to hire us like into Cartan or they were threatening to like hire somebody else to do it. And they basically they wanted to centralize things more and more under them. 
And that's like the opposite of, you know, what a DAO, what a, a, a decentralized autonomous organization should be trying to do, right? Be, first off, bring in other ideas and people who aren't just the Cartan group. You want more teams and people involved. But also in order to protect yourselves from like a legal perspective, you want to be decentralized, right? You don't want everybody centralized in one place. That's bad, right? That gives the ICC more fuel, more ammunition. So, you know, for those reasons, and because they were just doing a shit job, people weren't happy. Uh, and, you know, you know, the, sort of where it all came to a head was instead of them, you know, in advance proposing, you know, to first off, like extend themselves and then in a separate AIP ask to do more, they waited till the last minute until they were, until their contract was about to be over. They could forward an AIP saying, you have to extend us and pay us double and we're going to do all this extra stuff. And if you say no, you're screwed because there's no alternative. We haven't set up any transition plan. Um, you know, the, the, we haven't offered to do this for the old terms. We only want to do it for more. So the community rejected it. Uh, and with about, you know, three days, I think it ended on like the 28th or something. And then uh, the, uh, of December. And then January 1st, there was going to be no no administrator. The lights were going to turn off on the DAO. No more AIPs, no bills paid, you know, no grants being paid out, no grants being signed. So that was the process. And, you know, what we did, me, um, you know, with a few other sort of active community members, Bad Teeth, Amplify, Board AG at the time, uh, in consultation with a lot of other community members, but sort of led by our crew, uh, we made a proposal, AIP 196 that uh, extended Cartan by two months, um, empowered, uh, created a new working group called Working Group Zero, empowered that working group to run the RFP, to fund a new DAO administrator, and to create guidelines for future working groups, uh, and to transition some of Cartan's, um, to transition some of the DAO administrator roles to the working groups and away from the DAO administrator. So that was, you know, that was it. Um, that was the crisis. You know, we did a lot of work after that to make all those things happen. But that, that's sort of uh, how it all started. Yeah. Yeah. You actually had a real life situation on your hands that's very similar to kind of what the government's going through right now in the United States with needing to uh, increase spending or uh, or print more money, right? You were, in a, you were in a position where you needed to keep the lights on, but you had to have a mitigated approach to keeping the lights on where... You know, you kept what was old but broken in for two months to kind of give you some buffer time to transition, which, you know, to to the DAO's credit, I do have to say, like, that's mature for a DAO that is as early on as ApeCoin DAO to understand yeah. that, like, you know, you can't just rip cords on things. You do need transitional periods. So I know, you know, crises aren't fun, but it really does sound like, like, I actually didn't know the... um the underpinning detail on that. So that's great. That's great background, I think, for listeners and as well for myself, just to to understand that y'all have been kind of at it, um, you know, as as deep as you have and kind of already already overcome some obstacles uh, as a as a decentralized DAO. I know Fax is is biting uh, at the at the bit for questions here, but I got one more to like double double click on um, from what you said. You had mentioned that, you know, it's actually in our uh, benefit to be uh, as decentralized as possible um, to not be prey to the uh, the wonderful three letter acronym uh, that we that we've thrown out there. Uh, so 
can like I'm very interested in that and maybe we have to dig into that later on in the episode um but can you kind of give a high level on you know I, I get the overall premise of like decentralization empowers this because it puts ownership in so many people's control that you know you don't have a single authority and I imagine that that goes after kind of antitrust laws um or is is mirroring or trailing off of antitrust laws but you can kind of dig into the benefits of decentralization um in this scenario of that three-letter three-headed monster coming after uh the ape coin dow yeah for sure um happy to get into that a bit so the the big the so the big thing with the sec the three with the three-letter monster is is the how test right it's it's being found to be an unregistered security um and you know part of the test for uh for part of the Howie test test for whether you're going to register security is um you know are are people uh, investing in this thing uh based off of an expectation of, of profit due to the work of others um and the um you know that 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 uh, expectation of profits due to the, the efforts of others that specifically refers to like management type work right so is there some is there some group somewhere that is exercising like a managerial business development type role you know that is directing this enterprise that is creating value creating financial value and that's why people are buying this thing right in this case it would be Bitcoin. um so what this means for the Ape Foundation is that, you know, they're okay to uh, run a grants DAO. They're they're okay to uh, to give out grants uh, to let other people do work that creates value for the Apecoin ecosystem, but they can't do that. Special counsel, the Ape Foundation can't themselves fire a comms and marketing team for the Ape Foundation because that would be business development. That would be managerial in the context of that Howey test, right? They can't themselves seek out partnerships with Web3 companies. They can't try and create more ape utility by, you know, finding more use, like creating more use cases for ape because that would be business development, right? That would be managerial. Uh, they can't They can't themselves have revenue returning right back to the treasury, right? They, they can't bring back like securities and, and people, if people want to apply for ape and they're going to give you part of your, you know, equity in your company, they can't do that because that would be business development. So these are all the things, these are some of the things that the Ape Foundation uh, and therefore the DAO, because the DAO is, is all, all the IPs are being fielded through or being filtered through special counsel. They, they can't let the Ape Foundation do this stuff. But decentralized and autonomous working groups that are separate legal entities distinct from the Ape Foundation they could do those things on behalf of the DAO, and that wouldn't bring those legal risks to the foundation, right? So a decentralized, a fully decentralized and autonomous marketing and comms working group that has its own legal registration and its own stewards as grant recipients, not as contractors in the A Foundation, they could arrange to hire a marketing and comms team. They, they could hire, you know, a professional onboarding and they could create a professional onboarding and growth strategy right a treasury working group they 
fully decentralized and fully autonomous. They could look at diversifying the treasury. They could look at revenue return. And the same thing, uh, a fully decentralized and autonomous metaverse working group, they can explore partnerships with other Web3 companies, blockchain games. So, you know, this is where the decentralization comes uh, into play because it, it protects the DAO from, you know, these security risks of being found to be, you know, like one single central body that's effectively a, a business, right? And, that, yep. and that's what we're trying to protect again. Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. Facts. What do what are you thinking, man? I think that the time we're spending here talking to Wabam is some of the most useful content that we've made on this podcast so far. Uh, good month. When you hear that, does that change your kind of like does that does that bring you some new awareness of of how this organization as a DAO decentralized can operate? Yeah, I mean, I've always been pretty juiced on just the the lore of a DAO, you know, the capabilities of a DAO. And I've always had this, like, vision that, like, our kids are going to be plugging in, working for, like, eight different DAOs instead of a single company. And, you know, they're going to be having Slack servers or Discord servers, and they're going to report to each one and get paid appropriately for how much they're active. Because um, I think, you know, the way the working world works today is, you know, you have so much time that you're in meetings, so much time you're plugged in if you're W2, then you have all these things you kind of do on the side. And like, why not just like, let's be honest and open about everything, crack it all open and let everyone work, you know, where they where they want to work and get paid in these decentralized orgs. So I've always like, I've always been a fan of them. Um, but in 21, when DAOs just spun up out of nowhere, they started hitting these work stream issues, right? It's like raising money for a DAO is no problem. Getting people to tune into a Discord for a DAO is no problem. Organization of work streams, people's eyes start to glaze over. You know, you're looking at Google Sheets, you're looking at initiatives, you're trying to assign roles, responsibilities. All of a sudden, you know, people want things to be loose and startup-like and moving moving with great agility. But then you have somebody come in and people like, we need a racy you know, like a racy form that shows roles, accountability and everything that breaks it down to like ad nauseum. And then people start to lose interest and the attention span starts starts dwindling. And then you're left with the Wabams, the Board AGs, the Bad Teeth, right? You're left with the people who are truly like got their hooks in there, have, you know, scars on, have battle scars of going through this in the real world. And they know this is no big deal. So I think these this is natural progression. What what was what I was unaware of was the uh intentionality to stay decentralized in the current regulation uh climate that we have in front of us today. Like I'd have I'd have I had some conversations with Board AG and he had kind of towed around the edge of you know, saying why the DAO couldn't take in revenue. Um, but we never, we never really had that, you know, that clear verbatim discourse around uh, that answer. So it, it makes a ton of sense. It also kind of leads me to double down on one of my biggest questions slash pains, I think, with the DAO is that, you know, with it being decentralized and with everybody being a node to get in there and vote, you know, we want max participation. Like in an ideal world, 
you know, we have like every single ape coin that's that's distributed is held by one person and they're going in to throw one vote. Now we know that will never happen, but in a in a perfect world, right, we're all holding one coin and everyone's coming in to vote. Um but I think that like the voter participation and the effort that goes into these AIPs is really interesting because the um the feedback that you get from people making comments on these AIPs is all over the place. And it feels like maybe that those comments aren't necessarily aligned with what you just said, uh, Wabam, around this like needing to be as decentralized as possible as an existential uh commitment to to existing. Um and, and I think it makes a lot of sense because it's a heavy topic. But one of the things I see a lot of the times the comments on AIPs is people, you know, wanting, like, people being very protective of the treasury um, and very protective over giving somebody who has, like, distribution lines or the organizational capabilities to get something over the line um, being critical of that and then wanting them to like integrate with something that already exists. And and one of my big kind of takeaways when seeing that is always asking the question like, should a DAO be a central integrator, right? Should a DAO have all of its uh, operating grants integrated together? Like, yes, you want them to be efficient. Yes, you want them to be interoperable. But should we be relying on a single AI or API system or a single database? And my 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 sentiment there, from just my love of DAOs and the premise of DAOs, is that it really should be um, hundreds of databases, hundreds of APIs, and they should all be interacting and interoperable amongst one another. So, can you kind of have a take on that? Yeah, I mean, can you clarify? So when you talk about databases and APIs, are you talking about like DAO tooling and like like what we interact with, like Discourse, Snapshot, Discord, that kind of thing? Or or Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think that's a that's kind of a separate category, which I do want to talk about. But I'm more so talking about when um companies come in to author AIPs because they want to do XYZ. And it's something that's very similar to another initiative that's already out there. You know, some people inside, because they already know the initiative is going on, they're like, you should talk to these people and you should integrate with these people. And I think like, you know, the 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 approach from the author there is usually like, well, you know, integrations are a lot of work. So I'd have to like follow up. I'd have to fill out an AIP just to figure out if an integration is going to be doable. And these are all these kind of steps that are in the way. So really kind of putting DAO tooling on the side for the moment, though I think that is a good topic to go into, but more so like, let's say somebody wants to come, you know, build a game that's supporting ApeCoin. And let's say that there's already a game um, that's in the mix, but they're two different games and they could have two different distribution lines. Like from my perspective, I feel like a DAO should you know, promote the two different distribution lines in two different games and kind of like measure the metrics and see which one performs best and which one to like invest more in later on. Um, but it feels like, and I might be just jumping to conclusions, but it feels like when people reply in the DAO, um, you know, they, they tend to try to conflate everything 
You know, it's like if one person's building a game, then another person can't come in and build a game. When in reality, like, what if the two games are hitting two different distribution lines and building Ubiquity 2X? Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're probably onto something there. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 when you say like people commenting, I guess you're thinking like people on the, the 8.4 forums, like yeah. in the discourse. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think this speaks to some of the challenges we still have as a DAO. And because, you know, you've got people will come in with an idea. Um, you know, you've got a handful of people who might get feedback, but it might not be, you know, the other people who are interested in working on a similar kind of thing. People might miss that a similar proposal has been up prior. Um, and then, yeah, some people might think that because somebody else is doing something similar, that that means you can't both do it. I mean, I, I don't agree with that. I, I, I don't think that's how we're going to, we're going to, uh, you know, achieve our potential as a DAO, right? Like we, we need to, need to have multiple people, you know, trying to, whether it's yeah, finding eight use cases, creating games, um, you know, like all the, you know, creating IP opportunities, um, you know, all the various, you know, uh, forms of, of value that can be created through the DAO. Having multiple people doing that is a good thing. And I, I do think also that working groups are going to help with this because there'll be a place, like instead of just dropping everything on the forum always and just seeing which people respond that day, There'll be a, also a place to go, you know, probably a Discord channel in the in the Acorn Discord, maybe other, you know, other um, channels, other uh, mediums. But there'll be like a, a bunch of people, for instance, when you talk about like an ape use case, like the Metaverse Working Group would be a great place to go talk to the stewards there. They're not going to be like, oh, you can't do that because there's already this other guy's doing that, you know, they better not, right? Or we shouldn't elect those people, right? They, they should be like, that's, yeah, this is a great idea. Here's the resources we can use to help you. You know, here are opportunities you could, you know, you can apply for an AIP. Maybe the Metaverse Working Group itself has funding. Maybe they could connect you with some other individuals who might, you, know, you might be able to collaborate or there might be opportunities to, to work together. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, generally in principle, I don't think the DAO should be trying to focus on just like, you know, one AIP per area or like one team. You know, I think we need to be taking advantage of all the people that want to get involved. More so, we need to be onboarding. We need to think even bigger, right? Like, to me, the potential of ApeCoin is that every metaverse experience wants ApeCoin to be the token that powers it. And every blockchain game wants ApeCoin to be the currency in game, right? Um, and I mean, that is the potential, right? Like, that's we're a top 50 coin. We've got the Yuga Labs cultural association and brand behind us. We've got a billion dollar treasury. Like, that's that's achievable for us. But we're not going to do that by gatekeeping and saying, you know, only only two games, right? Because these guys were here first. Yeah, yeah. So with Bam, just kind of like digging into the fact that you're a lawyer and how that could be helpful for the, the ApeCoin special counsel. Like we we understand in this climate that, you know, legal opinions are going to be, you know, necessary often as we move forward here. How right now is the DAO, you know, getting legal advice? Like, well, do they pay a specific firm? Like, in my mind, your election kind of sounds like almost having like in-house counsel, you know, on, on the special counsel. That's kind of, does that make sense? Like, how do you look at your legal background in terms of coming into this position? Yeah, well, so I'll say that's helpful feedback for me because I don't necessarily want to be coming off like in-house counsel, although I do want 
my skill set to be, I want people to recognize the value of it. And, and that is that, um, you know, the foundation has a good counsel. They've got a great firm uh, that, that they work with. It's one of the top firms, you know, for this area of law in North America, in the world, really. Um, but the, the, you know, the reason that I, that, that my skill set and why a regulatory and legal background is so valuable is because it's a, it's super complex. Like they're, they're working with that legal counsel on the daily. Um, they're getting, you know, intense legal analyses of various risks of, um, you know, the risk of the AIP is the risk of taking certain actions. And it's a lot for, you know, it's, it's the sort of, it's like, you know, being in some ways, it's similar to being in, in like a, you know, an executive role or, a, you know, a leadership role in, in a business where, you know, if you don't have experience working with lawyers, if you don't have experience, you know, understanding, you know, regulations and the analysis that goes into it, the finance, the tax, that's a barrier. That's a big learning curve for somebody to jump into that role without that background and try and understand it. And that's not that people can't do it. You know, of course they can, but, um, you know, we want, we want the special counsel to hit the ground running. Uh, we, we want, we also want to give backup to the people in there. I mean, the two people going out are Alexis Ohanian, the founder of Reddit and, uh, uh, yeah, the CEO of any mocha brands. These guys have a huge, huge amount of knowledge and experience with legal and regulatory. They've got tons of experience working with lawyers, tons of experience navigating these sorts of circumstances. They're very sophisticated individuals. They're going to leave a big like knowledge and skill hole when, when they leave. And you know, I'm not saying I'm a Rexis Ohanian, but the skill set that I bring, the, the legal analysis skills, the regulatory analysis skills, that is like... Ugh. Arguably, in my opinion, is the most important part of this job. Making sure that the treasury doesn't get taxed and we don't get a Wells notice. That is the most important thing that we have to do. They have to do as special counsel. And, you know, I bring it with me in there, they'll be able to do that a lot easier. Uh, You know, and I say this respectfully than any other candidate who's running in in this election with my, my background and my knowledge in the DAO. And my my regulatory and legal background, you know, there's no one who has that combination and that skill set. So, um, yeah, and I wouldn't call it in-house counsel, but it's it's this area, it's expertise in the most important part of this job. Yeah, it's a great point to call out because you know when you're at this level, you do you do need to be able to work with lawyers, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of that, it, it it's not simply just like um writing emails over specific lines of law that are in contracts it's literally like sitting on calls with lawyers and getting creative and crafty with with your objectives right and you you've stated your objectives very clearly not to be taxed as a treasury and not to get a wells notice so yeah. it's like with those two kind of guiding principles and knowing how to work with lawyers you can take on some pretty ambitious things and you can grow the DAO to a space that, you know, we have never seen DAOs go um, as long as you're just hyper vigilant on making sure that those two foundational principles are never out of any type of legalese, right? Yeah, and if I can just jump on that. So, you know, 
that I mean, that's it, right? It's making sure that that we're not taking the wrong risks that that would cause those hugely detrimental impacts, like unfathomably detrimental impacts to the treasury and Bitcoin. But the other side of that is you don't want to be too scared either, right? Like you know, we have these ambitious goals. We want to achieve a lot as a DAO, right? You know, I've laid out what I think the potential of this DAO is, right? To really be the coin of uh, the blockchain gaming and metaverse culture everywhere, everywhere in the metaverse. But we're not going to achieve that either if we're too scared to do anything, right? And so this is another area where knowing how to talk to lawyers, knowing how knowing how to apply that analysis, knowing how to take their opinions and apply it to the decisions that have to be made is another skill. That's also not something you want somebody coming into who's never done that before, like never dealt with lawyers, never had to make these tough decisions, you know, decisions that affect a billion dollar treasury and hundreds of millions of dollars in bag holders, you know, like those are, you know, it's, it's a skill set, right? It's, and it's an important one. And, and we have to walk that fine line. So sorry, re- real quick facts. I just like, I want the listeners to really like grok that for a minute because you hear it all the time on Twitter spaces, especially as the selection runs up, you know, people who haven't even known that the election is going on are going to show up and have opinions for the first time. And they're going to hear the word legal thrown out all the time. And I actually think, you know, well, bam, yes, this is a strong suit of yours. Um, but what you just said, I think, is is a banner statement that I'm bullish on for you because, you know, you do need to you do need to not be scared when when you know how to work with lawyers and you know the risk that you can take on and the risk you can't take on. I mean, that is it, that's the definition of efficacy in this DAO. And and one of the things that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to the the legal risk is a lot of the times, like as long as your bases are covered, you can run it up pretty hard. You know, knowing that when issues come about, the lawyers are well prepared to take care of a one-off case because the groundwork is laid, because the right terminology, the right legal, the right, you know, terms and conditions are put in place so that the lawyers have a nice pillow to fall back on, kick their feet up and fight the fight that they're actually paid to do, right? 100%. You take the right risks, right? Yeah. Hot on the interruption, but we have breaking news here on the Web3 update. As reported in Vogue.com, Louis Vuitton is getting further into the NFT game. Today, the brand is announcing a new collection of digital treasure trunks, which will grant owners access to future products and experiences, as well as a community of fellow holders. Each piece costs $39,000, and only several hundred trunks will be made available. Holders cannot sell or give it to another person, which is a contrast to many of the original high-value communities. The brand refers to it as soul-bound collectibles, which is a new concept in the past year to facilitate loyalty and discourage flipping. So let me get this straight. For $39,000, you can get a treasure chest that is empty inside. You can't sell it. Look, I've already got a wife. I don't need any more problems. Yeah, sounds about right. And Frank the Gods, the 30,535 multi-chine JPEG Baron, who has made a career as a social experimenter while being dead this whole time, put out a tweet this week asking for brands to experiment alongside the D-Labs team. This tweet included a call to action for brands that meet the criteria of being cool, 
have the capability of moving fast and have a marketing budget to blow. The Google form is toted to bring demand that rivals the virality of the Ute list, which was the first ever Web3 job board launched by the D-Labs with zero actual jobs to post. The CEO of D-Labs has commented on the most recent grift to find the only three companies left with money to spend by saying Q2 2023 is about to be a movie, a rom-com where brands get externally separated from their long-earned roadmaps and overcome repeated pivots and delays to be reunited with their original product vision. Call me Bege. And thanks for listening. Now sending you back to the Never Fade podcast. So when this episode is released, you know, it's going to be the, in the heat of battle of this election. And hopefully people are going to tune in to learn a little bit more about your platform and how, how it's distinct from the other people that are running. You know, you've talked about some of the experience you've had in, in different roles within the ApeCoin DAO up to this point and, and the need for the candidates to hit the ground running. So when this concludes, if you have a seat on this council, what is hitting the ground running look like for you, Abam? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so, you know, there's a few AIPs that are at administrative review right now that I would love to see get through. And um, I don't want to, it wouldn't be right for me to say, uh, you know, here's the decision I'm going to make um, on a particular AIP before getting into the role because, you know, I need to see what the discussion is and, and you know, uh, why they haven't been approved yet. Um, but, you know, broadly speaking, I want to see the working groups get up and running. I, you know, I want to see what I start off with at start. I want to see the marketing and comms working group up and running with a professional onboarding and growth strategy. I want to see the treasury working group up and running uh, with a treasury management plan and, and a plan to return revenue to the DAO. Uh, I want to see the DAO. Uh, I, I would like to see a more transparency around the treasury. I, I want voters to have a better understanding of what's going on with the treasury so that when they go to make a decision about whether to approve an AIP or not, they know uh, how is this amount of money? How does it compare to the whole treasury? How is it going to impact the treasury? What does it mean for the longevity and sustainability of the DAO? Um, you know, and I have a couple of my own proposals up right now to improve that. Um, and that people want to take a look, that's AIP 262 and 267. Um, but hitting the ground running to me also means figuring out what we can do from the inside to optimize things and start to make more proposals you know, in that vein, more proposals to improve the DAO. Um, you know, I don't want to be critical of the role of the job that current special council members have done, but uh, one thing that I would like to do that I, that I think uh, would maybe be a bit of a fresh take on this role would be to continue to make my own proposals to improve the DAO once I'm elected, continue to stay in touch with community members, figure out where what their priorities and concerns are, and continue to advance the DAO, even as a special council member. Um, and I think that's important because special council members, you know, being leaders in the DAO and being deepest in the DAO, they should have a better idea of anybody, you know, where the pain points are. And um, so, you know, in, in addition to getting some of these key working groups up and running uh, and getting these long-standing goals finally, uh, you know, happening, I would like to see uh, hitting the ground running for me would mean getting more AIPs out to improve the DAO uh, and putting those up in my personal capacity as well. Yeah, so it's, that makes sense. So you want to get these working groups 
up and running, and then you're going to want to grease the wheels of the AIP process. Because right now, it sounds like it's too challenging. There's too many barriers. It's kind of intimidating. And so you want to lubricate the situation and get some more ideas and proposals flowing through uh, the process. So like, just let's, let's double click on that for a second. Like, What's going on currently with the AIP process that you think could be improved? Sure. So uh, one thing I would like to see, well, and, and let me just preface it by saying I've I reached out to about four hundred uh, community members in the last six weeks as I prepared seven weeks early as I prepared to run for special counsel to try and find out what are people's priorities and concerns, what what don't they like about the DAO, what do they want to see improve in the next year, uh, and something I heard a lot is that. Voters are getting fatigued. There's a lot of AIPs. They're long. They're complex. They they have a hard time sometimes seeing what the value is. Like, what is the benefit that's coming to the DAO? Um, you know, and I, you know, some voters say uh, it's all, you know, they're none of them are worth it. We're spending too much money. And others say, why won't the DAO spend any money? Like, what's wrong with these people? What, like the treasury, they're too reluctant to spend. But across the board, what I hear is. You know, this is complicated. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand what the value proposition of a lot of these proposals are. Um, and I'm getting tired of having to read these long AIPs without any sense of what's the benefit to the DAO. So I've made a couple uh, proposals to this is AIP 262 and 267 I referenced. Um, 262 would add a new section to the AIP template. And it would go on snapshot and it would just clearly, it would give the author an opportunity to just clearly say, here's how this proposal benefits the ApeCoin ecosystem. You know, and it doesn't have to say like, you know, this is the money I'm going to bring back into the DAO, but just, just a clear statement of here's the benefit. This is why you should vote for this. You know, this is why this is good for ApeCoin. Um, so that's, that's one that I've got up that should be going to vote hopefully, you know, in a few weeks. The other is AIP 267. This is going to add a tab to the, the website, a treasury tab to the website that would include a live counter of what's in the treasury, how much has been spent, uh, what it's been spent on by AIP category, uh, and then hopefully as granular as each AIP, um, and uh, how much time do we have left uh, until the DAO runs out, looking at you know the last 30 days spending average, how long, how, how many, uh, how long will we have until the DAO runs out? And I believe these two together will really help voters look at AIPs and say, you know, here's what this AIP is going to do for the DAO. Here's the impact it's going to have on the treasury. And, you know, is it worth it or not? Um, you know, so those are two examples. I have more ideas too about how to make this process better and easier. Um, but those are the two I have up uh, as of now. Yeah, those are two things, simple uh, updates that I absolutely can see the value in and just kind of making things more smooth. Last time I checked the um, leaderboard here for the election, uh, Thread Guy was number one. And personally, I like Thread Guy. I've watched him, you know, navigate the space, you know, since he first put that mutant ape PFP on. And I also think that his uh, Twitter account is like one of the most important accounts in NFT Twitter in terms of reach, in terms of the time he's put into building that following and building that distribution channel 
or communication strategy, I guess. And I, I think it's in the best benefit. Personally, I think it's in the benefit of ApeCoin to have you know, some type of stake in that, in that account or, or what he's doing. I think it's, it's very good, but what I'm not sure of is, is that something that would be better as like a special counsel seat or as like an AIP proposal for like some type of communication strategy, you know? And so I know he's a big favorite of, you know, a lot of people who are like actively talking about this kind of thing. But there's a good chance that he does get elected. And so if he does get elected, Wabam, like how could you see yourself and your skill set working with ThreadGuy's skill set? I don't have a lot of experience with ThreadGuy. Uh, I've certainly listened to his space a couple of times. I don't I haven't spoken to him uh very much at all. But um I agree that, you know, he's got a huge platform that is uh, you know, very important in, in the Web3 uh Twitter space. Um, and you know, his engagement with the DAO is, is good for the DAO. Um, you know, we, we, you know, it would be amazing if, if the DAO was able to find some way, uh, you know, to utilize his interest and his excitement about the DAO. Uh, and if that ends up being with him on special counsel, then, um, you know, if I'm lucky to be the other person to, uh, to get voted in, you know, then I, I'm, I'm sure we'd have a good working relationship. Uh, you know, I, I know that he's on the younger side. Um, you know, and I, I don't know, I don't know much about his professional background. I, my sense is he probably doesn't have a lot of experience, you know, working with lawyers and regulators. Um, but you know, if we were both elected, you know, that's, you know, something that I could, you know, skill set that I could bring that, you know, I may be able to help, um, you know, him with, you don't want to say maybe his mentor, but you know, the special counsel works together, right? Each, each team member brings a different skill set and, the ones who maybe don't have as much experience or expertise in one area will lean on the other folks and vice versa, right? So if we were both in there, you know, when it did come time to, you know, talk about, um, you know, onboarding and communications, um, I'm sure I would lean on him and, you know, vice versa when we were dealing with, you know, uh, in, you know, intense regulatory questions when we're going back and forth with lawyers for hours a day, I'm sure he would lean on me uh, as well. So. Um, you know, I'm sure that we'd, we'd make it work and it would be a, a productive, uh, professional relationship if that's, if we end up being the two that come out. Yeah. That's a diplomatic answer. Let me ask somebody who's in a position to be less politically correct. Good month, Eve. What do you think about thread guys candidacy? Do you, you know, what do you think if he gets the C give us some takes on this boy? Dude, I just want to, I just want to hear thread guys, internal, actual internal motivation, like for 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 popping on the roll, you know, like I if it if it at all comes down to the money, um, I would say, dude, you could probably write an AIP for that amount of money to use your platform, and people would love to hop on it and vote on it and and watch you do your thing in your own style. So, I think it, I I kind of have to like piggyback off of Wabam here where I'm not, I, he appears young to me. Um, you know, if, if I found out that he had spent like 10 years as a consultant running around the DOD and, and all those things, I'd be like, okay, you know, I'll step back. Let's, let's learn about that. Um, but I don't, you know, to my knowledge, that's not, that's not backing him up right now. 
Um, but what is backing him up is his ability to execute on his platform and his ability to be everywhere at every given time. That dude over the last year has impressed the hell out of me because, you know, I'll wake up and miss like three Twitter spaces and I'll pop in and scrub through them. And that guy's up on stage on every single one of them. So I'm like, he he has a propensity to be, you know, omnipresent when it comes to Twitter. I think he I think he would be a great usage of the ApeCoin treasury for communications in a grant form. Um, you know, and I honestly think actually he could probably pull more money uh in doing that than than going through this role. I know that like sitting through calls with lawyers, uh sitting through compliance and regulation, you got to be built for it. It is um, I think Wabam is being super generous by saying that, you know, he would mentor people and, and, and work side by side and, you know, be amicable. Of course, I, I believe he will. I just think that, like, we're not in a we're not in a position in this DAO to bring people on that have training wheels on straight up. So, yes, there will be a time where we can take on junior ambassadors and affiliates and we can groom them up to be ready and that's awesome that's what the i i think you can get opportunities like that in the dow that you can't get in the real world so i'm i'm bullish on that opportunity later on down the road but with the regulatory market right now like the things that are going on right now kraken smacked coinbase smacked binance smacked ftx done like thread guy get paid boy but make it easy on yourself i think that's a fair take and that's kind of was my point too is like dude hell yeah let's pay thread guy i'd be the first one to be like yeah release some of the treasury dollars pay this guy let's get the comms up let's get the vibes up let's get people talking about ape coin every day in spaces 100 percent. like makes sense to me but like the special counsel seat is is a little bit more behind the scenes work that it just requires a different function. And so we'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a decentralized process and people who are who are paying attention and have the ape coin behind are gonna decide. So well, bam, I really appreciate your time today. You know, I, I'm happy to learn more about your platform and I'm sure a lot of other people will be interested to hear about the experiences that you've had and what you're bringing to the table. Before we let you go here today, any kind of final words heading into election weekend? Yeah, I guess just to voters, uh, you know, take a close look at credentials. You know, you've heard, you know, you've heard me, you've heard me at my pitch here. Hopefully you understand the role of special counsel. I know they're not always saying it themselves, but I'm telling you, having worked with them for six months, having been on many calls with all of them, you know, this is the role. Those are the risks. The stakes couldn't be higher. So look closely at the credentials, look closely at the qualifications, you know, realize that the worst, like the the risks are very real. The worst case scenario it means your bags are in a lot of trouble um, and, you know, vote wisely. Um, and I'll just say, guys, thank, uh, thanks so much for having me on here. It's been awesome chatting with you both. Uh, really great conversation. Love both your takes. Um, so, yeah. Great to be here. Absolutely, man. And, and where can people find you, Wabam? Uh, on Twitter, Wabam underscore ETH. Uh, you can find me there. Um, 
Yeah, it's probably the best place. I'm in the I'm in the Acorn Discord. You can come find me there. I'm a, I've actually started that Discord, but I'm, I'm active in there as well. All right, man. Thanks for your time. Yeah, well, Bam, thanks so much for hopping on this. I think it is a great episode. Thanks, guys. Good. There you have it. Well, Bam, in the studio, giving us some takes, giving us some, I feel like, authentic viewpoints about what's really going on in this DAO and what the DAO needs to be successful. I'm really happy that we captured that. And I do think like this is going to get really interesting down to the wire. Uh, what are your takes on what Wabam shared with us? Good. Yo, dude. I mean, the seasons go quick, don't they? Like we went from having the original special council to the first vote to now we're on to the second vote. The first vote was easy. Really. It was easy. It was like, you still got Alexis. You still got Yat. You know, you, you vote in some trusted ape holders, some people who've been around, who have a good background. This one's big. Like, Alexis, out. Yeah, out. Like, this is the crew of, this is the crew that owns the NFTs that have been around that have been active. Like, this is a big deal. Yeah, dude. Yat and Alexis, like, obviously, like, two absolutely high-performing executives experience that is unmatched essentially but like i always thought a question of like how much time could these guys really spend working in the council i feel like i don't know i just don't you know maybe wabam or board g could tell us but i definitely see them more as advisory type of uh, positions here if they were to be replaced by people who have the skills and the time and energy to really dive in here, I do think like this DAO has opportunity to make a lot of progress and achieve like the goals that I think everybody has for for a DAO like this. Um, that being said, if suddenly we find ourselves electing people who have uh, the wrong skills or mismatched skills to what this particular position entails, it could kind of be catastrophic for the DAO. When it comes to Thread Guy, we had the same situation with Degentraland this time last election, where Degentraland was leading. He had the kind of, you know, the, the votes of crypto Twitter behind him. Thread Guy has the same. Um, and I didn't like Degentraland. I still don't. I thought, you know, he was just gaslighting everybody and just doing the little corporate Goldman Sachs speak. Like, I saw through that from a mile away. Um, you know, we threw out some flames on him that kind of started the whole G run-up, too. Uh, and I'm not going to do that to Thread Guy because I do like Thread Guy. I think, he's, I think he's a hustler, and I think he's really earned his platform. And I'll never tell somebody they shouldn't or you know, or try to get them to not do it. But I, I just want to point out that, like, Thread Guy could get the money that comes as a salary to this position if he just filled out an AIP to use his platform to promote eight. And if he did that, he wouldn't have to go through the regulatory and compliance training. He wouldn't be NDA'd to the tits. Like, he would be able to talk freely 
what's Thread Guy? Thread Guy, you're not going to be able to talk about anything. Yeah, he's he's going to get NDA'd, and suddenly, you know, he's going to be muzzled up on those spaces potentially. Yeah, he's going to be Dead Guy. Like Thread, thread Guy, <laughs> Thread Guy is going to have to change his name to Dead Guy because he won't be able to talk anymore. So. I mean, just ask the people on the council. Like, they can't chat. They can't say what they want to say, you know? Uh, I respect you, Terry Guy. I'm not trying to fudge you at all. I think your platforms that you've built is impressive. I could never do that myself. Um, so hats off there. But I also just think, like, dude, enjoy your youth. <laughs> Don't pop up on that board right now, you know? Yo, we're going to know what happens here. And, like, what you mentioned about that previous election and how it finished with like last minute, like board AG jumping up into the final circle and D Gentryland getting bounced up. It was kind of exciting, you know, and, and that is kind of like, I think what a lot of people want to see is more discussion about, um, ApeCoin DAO, about the election process, about the AIPs and, and be able to kind of like be more engaged. So with that, that's another episode of Never Fade, the NFT podcast. Thanks for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at Never Fade NFT. Subscribe to our YouTube. Thank you so much for your support. It helps to increase our reach and grow the platform. So we hope you have a wonderful day. To our producer, Hazy B, take us out. That's a bad bet. If the bags check less, about to burn back to back. Flipping that cheese when that Jenny Duh hits. It's the race to one, 250 in the world, and you chose to sleep. That's a bad bet. If you wake up check less, no more people without bags, but they need status. Running head first with the VV check thirst. Never heard of a hearse, but they connect in the dot.